Warning, if we beeped out all of the offensive stuff, this podcast would be Morse code. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by Hijab Creators, the new fashion line for the conservative women of Islam. Hijab Creators, because Muslim neoconservatives want to dress like they're in the Matrix, plus a ninja mask. And now, The Scathing Atheist. Hi, I'm Shujin Tribble. I'm Dallin. Hi, I'm Heretic Woman. Hi, I'm Chris. Hi, I'm Bridget Fitch. Bonjour, je suis Joseph. Hi, I'm Joe. I'm Unrenown Tech. And, and we That's what you get for free, Noah. Fuck you. <laughs> It's Thursday. It's June 23rd. And Eric Hovind looks like Lance Bass's rejected stunt double. <laughs> I have no illusions. <laughs> I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And from New York, New York and Valdosta, Georgia, this is The Scathing Atheist. On this week's episode, we'll read the book equivalent of getting fucked to death by wolverines. State-mandated anal probes get two thumbs up from a Kenyan judge. <laughs> and Bill Donahue will dress up like a penguin and plot against Batman. But first, the diatribe. Sometimes people apologize to me for having been religious. Always strikes me as weird. You know, and you got to appreciate that when, when I have a chance to meet our listeners, it's kind of weird already. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Some of the best podcasting memories I have and some of the best overall memories I have are the chances that we've had to meet our listeners. But it's still weird. You know, I mean, I, I sit alone in a room or in a room with Heath or Lucinda, whatever, telling dick jokes to an inanimate object. You know, that's my day-to-day routine. It's one of the most asocial jobs you can imagine. I mean, I, I, mean, I know you're there. I, I know we're talking to somebody. But all I ever see is a download number. And on the rare occasion that I do get to meet any of you, I'm on this weird, impotent end of the balance of conversational power, you know? Uh, depending on how long you've been listening, you more or less know me, but the only thing I know about you is that you have an affinity for a well-crafted dick joke. So my natural response is to try to reverse that a bit. It's the nature of this bizarre conversation we're engaged in. I always have the floor, so when I get a chance to meet you, neither of us want to talk about me. We talk about me every fucking week. We want to talk about you. What got you there? What demons did you have to fight through to get to this side of rationality? And look, I, I'm genuinely curious, even from just a purely self-serving angle, because my story is boring and easy. You know, my parents were so lackadaisical about their religion that my rejection of faith was essentially a painless process of thinking to myself, well, well, this doesn't make any fucking sense. You know, I didn't have to face any ostracization or, or, or any difficult conversations with my parents. I wasn't estranged from my spouse. There was no wedge driven between me and my kids. I lost no social standing or community. Hell, I wasn't even sacrificing that comforting fantasy about the omnipotent fiduciary with the omnipresent ear since I'd never really talked myself into believing it in the first place. I just learned too much for any of it to make any sense anymore. And hell, I even had a head start on that since my parents were ostensibly Mormons. And then there's you. You know, by a stroke of dispassionate fortune, I was airlifted over the labyrinth that you had to fight your way through. And I saw you down there. I could just barely make you out, but I saw you. And, and of course, from above, the dead ends betrayed themselves, and you looked like a fool wandering down a path that I could ultimately see would coil in on itself. 
You look like a fool walking into that unsprung trap around the corner that I could so easily see from above. So I watched you turn and right when the exit was straight ahead and, and, and turn and back when the path was about to straighten out. I watched you treading back over familiar passages and I got so frustrated that I shouted down to you where you could just barely hear me. I mean, even if you realized that you were the one I was shouting at, you couldn't make out my words. You couldn't understand me. And so I left you there. I got to the other side. I drew a map of what I could remember, and I meant to go back for you, but I never did. And now here we are years later, and you've made it through without my help or or the fortuitous aerial view. I've been on the other side for years. I've had time to set up shop here, settle down, get a lay of the land, and here you are still nursing your minotaur wounds, and I see you across the field. I run up to you desperately trying to formulate my excuse for never adventuring back into that labyrinth to find you, and before I can form the most feeble of pretexts, you apologize to me for being late. Imagine my surprise. And keep in mind that this happens to me a lot. You know, at least once a week through email, but something like a dozen times just at Reason Rally. People would come up to me, introduce themselves, say a few kind words about the work we do, and then they would sheepishly admit that they only made their way out of church a few years ago. You know, they're not ashamed of their scarlet letter, mind you. They're just ashamed it hasn't had time to fray. I mean, I guess I get it. When you come face to face with all the damage that religion does, there has to be a part of you that feels guilty for all the time you spent perpetuating it, but that doesn't change the fact that you were a victim. You may have laid a few new bricks while you were in there, but nobody should have put you in that labyrinth in the first place, and nobody should have built it, and the government shouldn't subsidize it, and nobody should have flown over the top of it in their youth and laughed at the people inside with a smug and unwarranted air of superiority. Look, I gave up nothing to be here except maybe a a less fun job that pays better. But when I meet a man in his 60s that was a devout Baptist until his late 50s, you know, I know he's given up a lot of himself to get there. I know he had to come face to face with a lot of demons, a lot of lies he'd been told by the people that love him, and a lot of lies that he'd told to the people he loved. He had to simultaneously come to grips with both his culpability and his victimhood. He had to kick away pillars that had damned back his doubts for decades and face that oncoming flood with no reward on the other side of it but knowledge. I've never done anything so daring in my life, and I don't know that I'd be able to muster the courage if I had to. That man is my hero, but he's more than that. He's also my muse. Because in addition to inspiring me with his courage, he also vindicates my purpose. See, I did go back up in that balloon. I'm floating over that labyrinth shouting down right now. And what better way to mold my message than to learn what it's like on the inside from a person who never gave up the quest to get out. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are the peanut butter and jelly of atheism, Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick. Fellas, are you ready to be appealing to children but ultimately prove unhealthy? Uh, I think we're more like the jelly or syrup. Uh, of atheism. <laughs> Salads are healthy is what I'm saying. Tossing them isn't. The more you know. <laughs> we all learned that the hard way, didn't we? <laughs> In our lead story tonight, from the Noah's Arcing Ropes of Jism file, it looks like creationist minister Eric Hovind might get a lot more than just saliva on his cheek if he runs into Eli at the opening of Ken Ham's Ark Encounter theme park on July 7th. Apparently, Mr. Hovind, who looks like Nazi Dax Shepard just ate a lemon, <laughs> heard about an atheist protest of the event and decided to stage a counter-protest in response. Seems to me a counter-counter-protest is in order. How deep do you want this rabbit hole to go, Eric? <laughs> How deep? 
<laughs> so uh, here's a little background for anyone who hasn't been following the story of the Ark Encounter. Who? Is, who is what? that? Who listens to our show that doesn't know? <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Read a newspaper, man. Come on. Right. You made it so, to our podcast, but you don't know about it. It's fine. Go. <laughs> All right, so for that one guy who's an asshole, um, <laughs> Answers in Genesis president and Amish Wolverine Ken Ham took some time away from log cabin joinery using his adamantium claws to try the same technique on building an enormous wooden replica of Noah's Ark in Williamstown, Kentucky, which is about 600 miles from the nearest ocean. Eh, eight, years, eight years um, if you're walking. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> functionless boat is, regardless, going to be the centerpiece of a so-called creationist science museum. Ah. And if that wasn't reason enough to protest the stupid fucking thing, they're somehow getting public funding in the form of tax breaks, despite refusing to hire gay people to work at the facility. Or or, or atheist people, or trans people, or Jewish people, <laughs> right. or Muslim yes. people, or Hindu people, or non-creationist Christians, or old earth creationist Christians, or unmarried cohabitators, <laughs> or pornography users. Public funding. Set aside for a moment that any of that shit's legal for anyone, but public funding. Yeah, $18 million, for those yeah. who are wondering. Two and a half weeks of fucking Woody Harrelson's wife. Want to do that math in your head. All right, so just to recap, Eric Hovind is organizing a group of people that are going to be picketing in favor of pseudoscience and employment discrimination. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's what he's doing. But, <laughs> what uh, do we want? More of this. When do we want it? Whenever. <laughs> exactly. But don't tell anybody about it because he wants to keep it a secret. Yes, yes, he does. Um, according to the video, he posted on what he seems to think is a private part of YouTube. <laughs> quote, don't tell the atheists we're coming. We want it to be a complete surprise. <laughs> so everybody be very, very quiet. <laughs> exactly. And as someone who saw how well the Christians did at Reason Rally, I am really sad I can't be there. <laughs> right. I'm broken right. up about it. Oh, and, and speaking of sad that they can't be there, uh, in the interest of counter-counter-protesting, friend of the show Dan Errol is trying to make it to the park's opening to join in on the, uh, I believe, first layer of protest, that first outer sphere. <laughs> anyway, uh, Dan, if you don't know, he's a freelance reporter that's been instrumental in keeping all the shady shit that Ken Ham's been up to in the public eye, uh, and uh, freelance reporters get paid dick. So he's asking for some help getting there. If you're interested in lending him a hand, uh, we'll have the link to his GoFundMe on the show notes for this episode. Just want to throw that out there. Excellent. And uh, one last thing, just to be clear, uh, Eli already mentioned it. I I'm not saying Eli's definitely planning to be there on July 7th, but if he does make it... Uh, Cheek fluid would be a very reasonable risk to consider for any notable creationists thinking about attending. Mm -hmm. And um, also, they might get jizz on their face. <laughs> Please don't encourage him. Prank war. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd settle for just one league under the scene news tonight. Catholic League president and albino Yoda Bill Donahue took one of the most sinister public victory laps in American history this week in celebration of the continued impunity of child rapists. Okay, okay, Noah, look, I don't like Bill Donahue either, but let's not exaggerate. What did he actually do? Oh, no, 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 this is not a euphemism. I, I know you're kind of the rookie here, but if I say Bill Donahue danced on the bones of his ancestors, you should assume I mean that literally.
literally. <laughs> yeah, same goes for when I say he looks like Karl Rove got fucked by Karl Rove's father. <laughs> I'm sure he did. By the way, dance on the bones of my ancestors is my new shorthand for fucking your dad. <laughs> Anyone wants to throw that out there? Ironic that that, that, that sentence bred a euphemism. And, and pedant <laughs> ironic, too. Yeah. Anyway, so after a New York bill that would have eliminated the statute of limitations in cases of child molestation failed to reach the floor last week, Donahue issued a triumphant press release declaring that fuck those money-grubbing rape victims. And while I admit I took a little bit of liberty in the paraphrase there, the following description a of the proposed bit. legislation is a direct quote. He called it, quote, a vindictive bill pushed by lawyers and activists out to rape the Catholic Church. End <laughs> the, quote. <sighs> These lawyers used their position of trust and authority to rape the church with impunity. And just just now, <laughs> thanks to the brave efforts of few, we're starting to see the scope of the problem. I look like someone tried to make a statue of Dick Cheney out of a penis. <laughs> Yeah. Ideally, Rush Limbaugh's penis. Yeah, perfect. But uh, Eli makes a great point. I mean, where's the spotlight movie about the lawyers who raped the rapists? I mean, oh, right. Hold on. They're the good guys in spotlight. Exactly. Who rapes the rapists? A much less popular Watchmen spinoff. And I can (laughs) never figure out why. (laughs) Seems like it would be. Anyway, now, obviously, the word rape gets all the attention in that sentence, as it should. But I also love the idea that wanting to punish people for raping kids is vindictive then you have not spent time on the prayers for brock facebook group (laughs) (laughs) guilty as charged guilty i'll admit 20 minutes of action 20 minutes of statue (laughs) 20 (laughs) generations of child rape shouldn't ruin an entire religion's future but I, I, i mean look the logic chain that leads to Donahue's conclusion includes the phrases, and who rapes children? We rape children. That makes you the automatic bad guy in all scenarios. Yeah, if if Bill Donahue was a movie villain, he would be lazily written. Right, right. You'd be like, <laughs> come on, really? <laughs> so I think we can all agree that there's no such thing as a good statute of limitations on child rape. I but- prefer bronze. Oh, statute. No, stat- statute. statute. Yeah, Sorry. statute. Go on. Go on, Tony. <laughs> but New York State <laughs> provides ample proof that there is such thing as a bad one. So under the current law, victims of child sexual abuse have until they're 23 to bring charges against their attacker. Now, this this proposed amputation band-aid that failed to reach the floor would have only extended that by five years. And because of the influence of people like Donahue and groups like the Catholic League, not even that kernel of common sense can pass through the state's legislative rectum. Yeah, and this has to make people wonder, like, what were the counter arguments? It's, it's right. not like nobody talked about this, right? Someone this week had to be like, really? Fucking people who are almost 30? Get over it, am I right? <laughs> right. Yeah, slippery slope. What's next? 31-year-old rape victims getting justice? 32? Where do you draw the line? Who said nowhere? Fuck you, Brian. This is serious. <laughs> Take this seriously. Oh. And in the cockin news tonight. Police in Trenton, New Jersey, have a brand new idea of how to punish minors who violate curfew. Rape them. Okay, well, not rape them themselves, because that should be done through the official channels. Uh, yeah, right, like the way I'm writing letters to my congressman about letting me rape Steve Anderson. Yeah, exactly, the proper right, I'm just channels. saying, we should do a crossover with Cogdis, fly you and Tom out there to fight and fuck Steve Anderson, respectively. I, I, I would get us to that Patreon goal myself. <laughs> No, uh, it's not that, unfortunately. Curfew violators under the age of 18 will now be transported by police to the nearest church. So they're outsourcing the rape. Yeah, exactly. I got you. Wow. 
not sure why they don't just drop them off at my apartment seems more direct and I'm right <laughs> over the GWB. Whatever, it's fine. I get it. <laughs> Anyways, this new policy is in response to increased youth violence in the area, and the plan is that kids who violate curfew get brought to church, and then their parents will be notified to pick them up and, I guess, bring paper towels. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, because if you don't clean that shit up right away, it streaks. That's true. But meanwhile, Eli doesn't even get panes of glass involved uh, most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe I'm not giving this policy the credit deserves. After all, if as a kid I knew they were going to bring me to a church alone at night and then call my parents in the dead of night in the hopes they wake up and get me before the priest found out where I was the most ticklish, <laughs> I would have been in bed by 6. I mean, I'm good, yeah, right. Guys. It's right. 4 p.m. No, 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 I'm good. <laughs> Nappy noop. And from the tweet a dick file tonight. Stop. Yeah. That is the funniest thing that anyone has ever written. Stop listening. Pause the show. You do not deserve. Think of tweet a dick. That's fucking. You don't deserve us. You do not deserve heat. So speaking of tweet a dick, we have a tiny bit of good news to report in the wake of the tragic massacre in Orlando. And this obviously doesn't make up for organized religious bigotry contributing to the murder of 50 people. But it's something, I guess. So we're going to talk about it. So according to recent reports, the Anonymous Hacker Collective continued their targeted online harassment campaign against supporters of ISIS. But most recently, they've added a new twist in solidarity with the LGBT community. Instead of just fucking with crazy people in general, they've been taking over Twitter accounts and adding pro-gay images and slogans. So... Tweet a dick now. Nice, nice. <laughs> Butt plug ISIS flag. You've been training for this your whole life. <laughs> and you know this means there's some guy in a cave somewhere on the phone with tech support just like, I have tried resetting my password. It is death to infidels, all one word, and then the number four. No, no capitals. No cap- The number four. So this is uh, excellent stuff. Now a whole bunch of Muslim homophobes have Twitter accounts featuring rainbow flags and phrases like, I'm gay and I'm proud. Mm -hmm. And also, by the way, if the hackers took the suggestion of Maxim Magazine, plenty of the hacked accounts should also feature ISIS soldiers dressed in pink robes posed like a George Costanza sexy couch photograph, (laughs) which is fantastic. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, I I like that Paint me like one of your nine-year-old girls. (laughs) (laughs) So so again, yeah, loving the effort here, but... I do feel like this kind of opens up that whole question of, uh, you know, who was the good guy in Captain America Civil War? About which no one is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Not here. All I'm saying is the ability to secretly control the internet is, you know, pretty much a superpower at this point. So I'd be a lot more comfortable if these hackers were somehow accountable if they do stop being good guys at some point. But for now, anyway, great job. Love it. You sound like such an Iron Man apologist. Or now, I, I, I want to say too, if our government was able to doodle dicks on terrorist Twitter accounts, this wouldn't matter so much, right? <laughs> if we had guys, or or if if maybe even if their present strategy vis-a-vis ISIS was more effective than the dick doodling approach, I wouldn't feel so bad about it. But yeah, it's worrisome. And in propane in the ass news tonight, police in Brockville, Ontario, responded to a live action Facebook conversation last week after a disagreement over the shape of the earth ended in an attempt to blow shit up. So uh, according to investigators, 
The incident began when a 56-year-old man got into an argument with his son's girlfriend and ended when he threw a propane tank onto a campfire because that stupid bitch kept insisting that the earth was flat. Now, that's what I call a flame war. <laughs> Zing! <laughs> they always go Godwin so quickly. It's right. ridiculous. Now, I, I, I want to be very clear. I don't endorse throwing explosive gases on open flames in an uncontrolled manner in response to flat earthers, but that's not to say I don't understand it. Or controlled I, manner. I, I don't endorse lick raping Ray Comfort either, but I understand <laughs> it. It's like two part Foster's, one part pig urine. That would have been. <laughs> Is that vegan though? I mean, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah man. as long as the pig's alive and into I, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but what I'm saying here is, is that I've had that thought. You know, I've, I've, I've had that. Like, I bet dying in a fiery explosion in a forest would be better than talking to this idiot more kind of a feeling before as well as the i wonder if he tastes like a blooming onion thought you know both of those <laughs> which actually would make perfect sense considering he looks like michael savage just came out of the fryer at an outback steakhouse <laughs> <laughs> michael savage looks like michael savage just came right, out of yes. the fryer at an outback steakhouse <laughs> but less well done yeah, yeah. Now, unfortunately, no record exists of the actual conversation, but we were able to input a highly detailed psychological profile of both parties into a conversational simulator and determine the most likely transcript, which Heath and Eli have agreed to reenact for you now. So, Heath, you'll be the 56-year-old Canadian dude. We'll call him Gordy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Way too soon. Gordy, really? <laughs> Was that the Gordy monkey they Come shot? On. <laughs> and Eli, of course, you'll then be the 20-something Canadian flat earther chick. We'll call her Moon Java. I brought a costume. <laughs> I... <laughs> and I already dressed like Gordy. Oh, well, there you go. Okay, ready? Uh, I'm Gordy. Got it. Um, <clears throat> something, something as sure as the earth is round. LOL. You think the earth is round? You believe everything Monsanto tells you? Hashtag sheeple. Hashtag Frankensheep. Um, the earth is round. Here's a picture. R-O-F-L-M-A-O, no way, that could be faked. Hashtag Stanley Kubrick, hashtag too much fluoride. What about satellites? What about eclipses? What about the fact that I can't see town from my porch? How about the fact that Neil deGrasse Tyson is a direct descendant of a Merovingian monarchs and known member of Skull and Bones? Hashtag jet fuel 1500 degrees. Hashtag steel 2750. Hashtag do the math. So just tell me, what do I have to throw into what to end this conversation? Hashtag minion memes. <laughs> <laughs> now, at this point, apparently, Gordy elected to use the delete and ban user function, which unfortunately isn't a legal option in real life conversations. According to police, he grew increasingly irate and began throwing shit on the campfire, culminating in the aforementioned propane tank, which is bad. Nobody's denying that. Nobody's saying he's the hero of this story. He's just the most sympathetic character. Yeah, we're not saying he's the hero we deserve. We're saying he's the hero we need. <laughs> and in Radio Headhunters news tonight. Okay. Pop quiz. What do Turkish Islamists and Eli Bosnick have in common? Uh, oh, oh, uh, anti-Semitic. Ooh, good guess, but no. Uh, if your answer was a severe dislike for Radiohead listening parties, give yourself 10 points. We also would so have close. accepted a shaky view on whether or not it's okay to have sex with a nine-year-old girl. <laughs> See, now, I, I had ability to make women feel like their clitoris is useless. Allegedly. <laughs> They're what, though? They're skeptics. We're skeptics. I need proof. <laughs> Anyways, a listening party for Radiohead's new album, A Moon-Shaped Pool, 
was interrupted by a violent and angry mob furious that people would be listening to music and drinking alcohol during the holy month. Right. And to show how dissatisfied they were at people doing forbidden stuff during the holy month, they responded by doing a bunch of forbidden stuff during the holy month, including (laughs) smashing the business's windows and attacking the customers inside. Yeah, it, it's kind of like a government shutdown. They only do essential Muslim services, you know? <laughs> yeah. A Turkish paper quoted one of the attackers as saying, quote, Do you not feel ashamed of drinking alcohol during Ramadan? Not adding, but more importantly, Radiohead, what are you trying to finger bang a Wiccan? They sound like a teenager <laughs> describing the time he threw the New York Philharmonic down a well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but... I'm going to go ahead and, and pull a Reza Aslan here, and along with so many others, and say that really the Radiohead listeners are to blame here. I mean, they incite this violence. You know, I, I've got a whole piece coming out on Salon.com. You can read it there. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I guess while you dig through the four dozen hit pieces on people who scored too high on the Salon employee IQ aptitude placemat in search of Eli's piece, we'll take a quick break and hand things over to my lovely wife, Lucinda. A man wrote the Bible. A whore is what she was. If it's a legitimate rape. It's a slut, right? Cooking can be fun. Hey, I'm proud of a man. This week in Misogyny. You know, sometimes misogyny isn't about action. It's about inaction. And one of the hardest things to understand is that not every act of misogyny is trying to take away a woman's right to vote or get an abortion. Sometimes misogyny is just about making it easier on the assholes who do. Which brings me to my first story tonight. This week, Samuel McHenry pled guilty to raping a car accident victim, and for his crimes, he'll be sentenced to six whole months in jail. At his discretion, of course. The reduced sentence is due to a plea bargain, and honestly, I can only wonder how a meeting that starts with a rape charge ends with, yeah, but he better do the full six months of jail within the year. We're serious about this shit. And plea bargain or no, perhaps the fact that a rape charge can get negotiated down to less time than I've agreed to spend reading the Quran is the problem. Now, sometimes misogyny is a bit more direct, not necessarily aimed at women, but just aimed at a fucked up way of thinking. And if you're looking for a fucked up way of thinking, the Amish are a pretty good place to start. According to The Sun, Sevilla and Daniel Stoltzfus, an Amish couple, are currently facing charges for selling their 14-year-old daughter to a 51-year-old man who provided financial support for their failing farm. And as if that's not fucked up enough, when police intervened, the three adults were found to be living in a house with 11 girls, aged 6 months to 8, two of whom were the children of the 14-year-old. So as bad as this is, sex slavery may have been an upgrade for her. And look, we've got a whole lot of weird, insulated religious sects in this country, and it's probably not a coincidence that there are precisely zero of them where you don't find despicable mistreatment of women. Says something about your fundamentals when these are your fundamentalists. But after depressing the fuck out of you with some morbid stories at the close of my last couple of segments, I was finally able to locate some good news to wrap with this week. And it comes in the form of a subversive feminism bot that's on the run from Irish police. And no, this isn't George Miller's next action flick, though I would totally watch that. It's the story of the abortion drone. So this one comes to us from Northern Ireland, home of some of Europe's most asinine and backwards abortion laws. Despite being approved by the World Health Organization and being largely considered the gold standard for medical abortions, Northern Ireland still prosecutes women for taking the combination of mifepristone and misopristol. But because of a loophole in the maze of archaic abortion laws between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland, the women could get prescriptions for the drug and then have a drone fly the pills to them from one part of the island to the other. 
Police were present when the drone landed, but since the medication was legally prescribed, they couldn't confiscate it. And since the two women who took it refused to say whether or not they were pregnant, citing medical privacy, they won't be prosecuted either. Now, I've got to admit, when I heard abortion robot, there was a sick little part of me hoping for an R2-D2 with a blender attachment and a handy vac. Just would have scared Christians way more. But I'm happy with any story about using the 21st century to conquer the 19th. So on that happy note, I'll hand things back over to Noah, Heath, and Eli. Thank you, Lucinda. And in Fast and Furious news tonight, I'm going to stick with the theme Eli had going before the break about Muslim people violently attacking other human beings because Allah likes it a little rough, and talk about a story out of Nigeria. Now, don't worry, it's not another Nigerian scientific breakthrough story or another Nigerian forward-thinking progressive victory. It's um, good. I was tired of reading all those. Yeah, no, this time it's religious (laughs) fucktardery. And it comes in the form of six Muslim teens who tried to murder a guy with a sword because he wasn't fasting. Okay, I feel like if everyone in Nigeria walked around with a machete, stuff like this would (laughs) work. You're right, yes, a good guy with a machete could have helped out But banning machetes will never work. I'm that friend from your hometown on Facebook who lists my education as School of Hard Knocks. What about hunters? (laughs) I care so much about hunters. Oh, I love hunters. Hunters, hunters, hunters. So uh, this is the story of a Nigerian carpenter by the name of Francis Emmanuel Francis, who apparently had the audacity to eat lunch during his lunch break. And apparently this enraged six passersby who asked if he was a Muslim or a Christian. And in Nigeria, this is like Dan Aykroyd getting the are you a God question from Gozer the Gozerian, because when he failed to give the preferred answer, they beat the fuck out of him and hacked him up with a machete. And in stop looking at my soft balls news tonight. Brian Fisher, who Balls. looks like he wanders around tennis courts offering to help young men with their form, had some choice <laughs> words for Anderson really Cooper this week. <laughs> Here, let me get my hips against your hip. Isn't that golf? Not now. It never helps me. I, I, anyway. Anyways, he had some choice words for Anderson Cooper this week, specifically that because he's gay, he's not allowed to interview bigots anymore. And this is clearly sour grapes. This is B-Fish saying, and I'm pretty sure I sent him that friend request by accident anyway. I didn't even want to be on his show. This show's stupid. It's like a Donald Trump judge, yeah. (laughs) Now, for those who are confused, I should point out that even if this wasn't related to something that happened, this is something that would totally dribble out of the porcupine vagina that Brian Fisher uses as a mouth. But in this case, (laughs) he was actually referring to Cooper's contentious interview with Florida Attorney General and participation ribbon winner in the Miss Piggly Wiggly 2004 beauty pageant, Pam Bondi, (laughs) in which he asked, hey, you're not just playing on this tragedy even though you said in court that gay marriage would do serious harm to your state, are you? Because that would make you a lipstick-covered ball sack full of shit. To which she responded, no, he didn't even talk about Islam and his diatribe. Gone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know how it looks when a sloppy fat kid gets hired to dress up as, like, Spider-Man at Toys R Us, something like Hurtful. that? Bread is my weakness. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian Fisher looks like he got hired to wear the Anderson Cooper costume at a shitty toy store. <laughs> Come take a picture with Anderson Cooper. <laughs> Well, as a result of pointing out that if you've actively worked against gay marriage or, say, thought it was illegitimate to object to a gathering of atheists because LGBTQ events were on the agenda, you're not really an ally and never were, Fisher had decided that Anderson Cooper... It's okay, I just said it fast enough. They can't hear. Their eyes are based on movement. 
<laughs> Anderson Cooper is no longer fit to report on stories. What with the gays in them saying, quote, yeah. mm -hmm. he has no business trying to do journalism on an issue as fraught with emotion as the homosexual agenda. He's disqualified <laughs> from providing any kind of objective journalistic treatment of that topic, end quote, is what Brian Fisher said about Anderson Cooper. <laughs> also, do journalism like doing a joint of pot? Like what? Really? <laughs> <laughs> and I got to admit, I see his point. So I'd like to propose a list of things that Brian Fisher should no longer be allowed to report on. Guys, any ideas? Oh, this is good. Um, hmm. People with voices that sound like a fat man learning to play the pan flute. <laughs> Shouldn't be allowed to. <laughs> That's a good one. People in glass houses. That's a really good one. Um, what about uh, John McCain and Colonel Sanders double teaming a surrogate mom? Not allowed to. Ooh, yeah. How about skin so papery and white it tears with a wide smile? <laughs> or, or how about where Anderson Cooper's dick goes? Um, Jerry Sandusky on South Park. Uh, a, a, a ghost that haunts a miniature golf course. <laughs> <laughs> Use None your hips. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and finally tonight, from the Pooper Troopers file, according to last week's ruling by Kenyan judge Matthew Amukule of the Mombasa High Court, there was no foul play involved when police arrested two men and then proceeded to shove objects in their asses. Non-consensually, just for clarity. Because like, right, well, I've yeah. had that dream. It's, it's, it's not in the fun <laughs> yeah. way. So, uh, yeah, he's saying those cops were just checking if the perps were gay and seeing if they could find any AIDS in there. That's all they were doing. So, so wait, so the words, no, no, I was shoving this up his ass to make sure he wasn't gay were actually spoken. Yeah, almost for certain. me in high school. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, how, but how do you, what, uh, do you just see how many sodometers you can shove it in? I, I don't get it. <laughs> so, uh, here's what happened. The, the two men in question were arrested last year on suspicion of gaying, I guess, <laughs> after the gay rumor task force that they must have at this police department <laughs> right. um, heard from Duma, who heard from Busar, who heard from Barack, <laughs> that these two guys might be doing butt stuff together. So the cops hunted them down at a bar, took them to the station for booking, and then eventually subjected them to anal exams and HIV tests. Oh, wow. Against their will. Oh, actually, hold on. Let me back it up. First, a bunch of Christian missionaries went to Africa and bribed shitloads of people into being Jesus-based bigots. Uh, yeah, right. Then, yes. some of those people became lawmakers in Kenya. Then, the legalized police action butt raping happened. And, uh, by the way, here's a real sentence that was uttered by this judge when he ruled against the attempted ass-raping injunction order being sought by the ass-rape victims. Quote, I find no violation of human dignity, right to privacy, and right to freedom of the petitioners. Did, did you look in your own asshole? <laughs> Clearly not. <laughs> and, I mean, that would still be terrifying even if he strengthened his claim to an or statement there. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Either way, regardless of whatever scientific evidence the anal probes yielded, uh, the two men are still facing sodomy charges and could spend up to 14 years in jail if they're convicted. They, that, wow. The ass rape victims convicted. I'm, that's what's happening. Um, and also, no word on whether these cops are going to get 
sticks shoved up their asses just to be sure they didn't enjoy shoving sticks up the asses of two men earlier. So, oh, we'll find yeah. out. The infinite regress. Who rapes the rapers? Call back. You don't deserve tweet a dick. You don't deserve it. You didn't pause. You kept listening, but you should have. You didn't deserve tweet a dick. You didn't think it. Th- it's fine. Now, I, <laughs> I gotta say, I, on a serious note here, how fucking backwards is Kenya? Look, in civilized countries, we don't use state-sponsored, medically useless instrument rapes unless you're considering an abortion. Get with it, Kenya. Come on. Be like a civilized country. <laughs> right. So, um, as usual, no need to explain why we've had 30 seconds on the clock since last week when this story came out. <laughs> right. And we're going to be looking for ideas for the rectal homosexuality detector. Go. All right, I've been thinking about this for a really long time. Um, if he loses his church, he's going to be looking for a job. So how about a Pastor Manning Starbucks taste test? <laughs> as minimally invasive, you would just need to insert the stir in there and then stir the coffee and he uh, would know. Can we go with uh, Queer Spy for the Brown Eye? All <laughs> things just keep getting wetter. <laughs> uh, what about the Bronze Shovel? By bowel trowels. Because <laughs> why not do it in style? How about um, enema of the state? Or, or, or public enema number two? <laughs> uh, the Eli Bosnick storyteller. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing like one of the, you know, like the, the magic eye thing where you flash through them maybe. Anyway. <laughs> See, now I was thinking like a speak and spell thing where you just turned it to a certain thing and, and it would tell you about that, that particular fetish. Like a view master, yeah. Like the gift yeah. says stop. <laughs> if you're not picturing my dick across someone's eyes, you're not the listeners we know and love. <laughs> it's my last one. What about the seven layer dipstick? And uh, you better hope we don't find any lube. Yeah, right. It's the opposite thing you're looking for. Now, I have to say, for reasons that have nothing whatsoever to do with Heath pointing out that I have a pre-lubed anal insert as nearby as the driveway, we're going to have to close the headlines right there. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Seven-layer dipstick. And when we come back, we'll learn that apparently the Quran wasn't enough to fill Eli's annual literary masochism quota. For those of you whose listening memory extends back two weeks, you'll recall us talking about a pending lawsuit against the makers of Eli's favorite historical occurrence, God's Not Dead. Self-appointed author Kelly Kohlberg claimed that large swaths of the movie were lifted from her 2006 autobiographical work about God not being dead. And while most people would rather gargle shards than read this shit... That's why most people aren't Eli Bosnick. As you may recall, Eli jumped at an opportunity to invest the requisite single cent that her book sells for on Amazon. And now that he's read the book, he's promised to share all the juicy parts with us in a brand new segment called... God Awful Books. Literature. Publications. So I'll be damned if we're going to reinvent the formatting wheel here. So Heath, tell us, what will we be breaking down today? All right. Um... We're talking about Finding God Beyond Harvard, The Quest for Veritas. And uh, that's about as far as I read. <laughs> that's as so, far as Eli, anyone should have. <laughs> and Eli, how bad was this book? 
Well, if you liked Mein Kampf but thought this book isn't smug enough, you're in <laughs> luck because there's Finding God Beyond Harvard, the quest for Veritas. Yeah, yeah, awesome. So uh, we, we're pre-God winning this. Awesome. Now, Heath and I are already engaged in the two least pleasant activities a human can do. That's moving and reading the Quran. So there was no way where we were going to be able to make time for this book. But resident glutton for punishment, Eli Bosnick, has read it and is prepared to walk us through it. Are you not? I sure am. And I want to point out, before I get to any of the words in this book, I should point out that this is a book like a freshman double-spaced extra period small margins essay as a doctoral thesis. This book is filled with unnecessary boxes, new paragraphs. It's even got a fucking map to get the measly 218 pages of text that manages. 218 pages that start... I shit you not, on page nine. They count like the fucking ads of other books at the beginning and the dedication page. It's like two pages for them. And, and, and by the way, if you're thinking to yourself, hey, even with those unnecessary appendices, Diatribes Volume 1 didn't get to 218 pages, fuck you. It's not the size that matters. It's all about finding a tiny wife to hold it and make it look big. <laughs> That's why I like girls with Zika virus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but how's her head? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so uh, I feel like the title gives us the where. So if you don't mind, Eli, give us the, the, the who and the what, if you would. Okay, so uh, this book is about a scrappy group of kids who dare to challenge the Harvard standard of evil atheism and ask the hard questions like what if all the powerful people in the world are right and thinking is dumb also the word veritas you love the shit out of that word she then explains that she's a bad writer who can't tell a story which we would have figured out on our own anyways and and she sort of tries to make a point of that by saying quote i've written something more like a novel that asks the reader to put together the pieces of the puzzle end quote not adding in a thunderstorm. Yeah. <laughs> and then check out her website. That's pretty good. I'm just picturing Lewis Black screaming at her. No, you put the pieces together. You're the fucking <laughs> And then we get right into the bullshit. She says, quote, our lives are the result of a chain of more than a thousand scientifically variable but very unlikely events. Each one essential in exact order of its occurrence. Statistically, less than one chance in trillions if by dumb luck. But all Reason the- cancels random. End quote. So, uh, who wants to help me break that down? Ooh, ooh, me, me. (laughs) I mean, I'm not a scientist, but I think there's way more than a thousand scientifically verifiable events. But like, that's 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 my between the beginning of the universe and you. Yeah, maybe a few more. (laughs) And of course, it's just all. It's it's just man. It's amazing how puddle shaped this pothole is. All of it. Any (laughs) fucking series of events would have been that one in trillions and trillions of fucking odds. You dumb shit. History happened exactly like history. It's amazing. What are Uh, the Yeah, I'm not going to think about it. (laughs) Also, little note, she says, quote, I want in, inside of things, end quote. So, nice, we have something in common. Uh, She then points out how cool everyone thinks the Veritas forums are, and that maybe, when you think about it, Veritas is the coolest club of all. I see. Uh, yeah, Harvard wasn't really doing anything for society until 1992. Yeah, for finally they got around to it. And you've got to all, digest all of this manure before you even reach chapter one, correct? 
Oh, yes. This is the wild, wild west of books. It always gets worse. <laughs> There's always a next and a worse. And and this is where we get the first space filler idea she came up with, which is her quote-unquote journal entries, which are written in a cutesy fake script so that you, the reader, get all the joy of going, fuck, how does cursive work? That's an L? How is an L just a, a tall circle? <laughs> We should buy every copy of this book and have like a Fahrenheit 451 party. <laughs> Make some fucking s'mores. I think I could find the funding in my couch. Right. Um, <laughs> I should also point out that it is not a coincidence that some of the most heinous shit in this book is written in her little journal form. She was definitely hoping that people would skip the journal entries, but I didn't. Right. <laughs> uh, then we learn that she's not a student at Harvard, she's a part-time chaplain at Harvard and what? a student at Harvard's Divinity School. And she's worried because it seems like all this learning is fucking up the whole God thing. And she's going to come back to this over and over well, she's right. and over again. Here, sp- spoiler alert, the messages of this book are pretty simple. We have a black friend, Latin means that education is supposed to be Christian, and <laughs> the modern university's moral relativism is the cause of all the evil in the world. Oh, it's good there to you know. know. Good to know yeah, that up exactly. front. TLDR of this book. Please tell me she gets beat up by like a genius janitor <laughs> at some point. Is that, that, oh. Quam es dotibli mala. <laughs> One Latin nerd right now, losing his mind. <laughs> and now the story is going to start. Oh, okay. Uh, for those keeping track, we're about 10% in the book. This is chapter two, Bewildered in the City. And uh, nothing has happened except she's urinated twice on how awesome the story she's about to tell us is going to be. It's like Kirk Cameron introducing a Christmas movie. <laughs> but here we go. So we start with the second stupidest quote I've ever heard. You ready, Noah? Grab something, bite down. Ow, ow, hold on, hold on. Okay, now it's better. Okay. Quote, we live in a culture that has for centuries now cultivated the idea that the skeptical person is always smarter than the one who believes. You can be almost as stupid as a cabbage as long as you doubt. Today, it is the skeptics who are the social conformists. Oh, God. Dallas Willard. Veritas at Ohio State. Right, but the other 90% of us are blazing our own new trail. (laughs) Fuck, are you... How can you think that's right while you're saying it? Uh, And then we get another very clearly fake journal entry. Uh, It goes something like this. Dear Diary, I'm totally a college student. I remember... I mean, I am just walking (laughs) around and I heard that Harvard Divinity School is going to be pretty hard on biblical literists like myself. Because if you were thinking, hey, this happened at Harvard, well, yeah, Harvard Divinity School. Again, just to emphasize, the plot thins. (laughs) Right? Right. Harvard Divinity School. That's like a... It's like a Rolex sundial. What the fuck are we even talking about? Anyway, she goes to orientation, and even in her own story, she's a bitch. Like, she's sitting there, and everyone's making jokes about Jesus and, like, getting to know each other. And she's there thinking, they're just like the snake. What kind of preachers are they going to turn out here? And this is the first time I wrote fuck you in the margins of my book. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, because if you're not careful, they're not going to learn how to magically wish for stuff good. What is a bad preacher? (laughs) Yeah. Then she mentions... She tells this crazy story about a Jew offering her ecstasy and she says no because she's boring and terrible. (laughs) So instead, like, the conversation turns to theology and he points out that everyone thinks their faith is reasonable and she literally writes, huh. I'll have to think about that, but don't worry, she doesn't. It's not, not even a little. And of course, never thinks about that. I I guess they cut that scene in the movie about the 
drug dealing Jew professor. That's that's weird. I, yeah. I saved it, which for is war sad room because I crushed my audition. <laughs> <laughs> Marlon Brando, <laughs> and then she monologues for a few pages about how hard it was to be at Harvard, how everyone was gay, and they let the pagans have church too, and how her friend who had made a perfectly reasonable comment about how God hates fags nearly got quote burned at the stake end quote and oh. and no she doesn't get the irony of using that phrase right wow <laughs> and and on top of that i cannot emphasize enough the scorn with which she speaks about tolerance and diversity she puts them in fucking quotes every time okay. she uses them and <laughs> so clearly a fucking fantasy because every page just drips with her being a miserable bitch while everyone else went to college and then she basically has a bit where she says like everyone said church was just old white man but if that's the case how how come many people all over the world are Christian? Not because white men raped Christianity into them or anything, right? <laughs> right? Huh? More like Prima <laughs> knocked up. Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> he knows. He knows. That's why they call it missionary. Better from a, you know, rapey jujitsu perspective. <laughs> Angles. Yeah. And then for the second and last time, we see Michael, the, the Jew who offered her ecstasy, mm -hmm. and she says to him, uh, if you're, why are you a Jew if the prophecies all came true? And, and because the story's made up and she got to write it, he doesn't say, yeah, when you've seen Pirates of the Caribbean 1, it's pretty easy to name the characters in the sequel. <laughs> right. <laughs> so she talks about how they had this super great speaker come and talk about how awesome Jesus is, totally for real, and her prof <laughs> and she goes to talk to her professor about it, like, wow, I can't believe you didn't change everyone's mind instantly and her professor responds quote but kelly students here don't equate logic and reason with truth they see no connection end quote oh not adding i'm totally real you're not making me up <laughs> <laughs> and i'm sorry this book just keeps getting crazier well i certainly hope so we've only got one bigoted stereotype of a character so far so let's yeah, get our pennies worth <laughs> Because then she makes the claim that students at Harvard Divinity School stopped saying Jesus and started saying the J word. Oh, fucking bullshit. <laughs> well, well, yeah. And instead of Nehemiah, they would say N word. I've heard of this. <laughs> PC stuff was out of control back then. Yeah. Harvard. yeah. Totally. She then quotes David French, who, if you Google David French, that's already way funnier than anything we could ever say about this book. But it's fine. <laughs> She's, she, the quote is, you find more intellectual diversity in most evangelical megachurches than in most universities. Well, well, yeah, because uh, when you abandon true shit as a prerequisite for fucking intellect, there's more room for disagreement. It doesn't make me jealous of the right. UFO conventions. What a stupid fucking quote. This probably pissed me off more than any other quote you had in here. It's fucking yeah. uh, ridiculous. Fun fact, I'm going to get what you just said tattooed on my chest and just start <laughs> sending people on Twitter the picture. <laughs> and the chapter ends with her writing a journal entry, and I shit you not, about how ironic it is that there were posters for anonymous hookups next to Warnings about date rape and AIDS. And by the way, wow. you're wondering what I did with those pages as I read them. The answer was tearing them out and eating them. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't have been my first guess, but it would have been my first non-anal guess. So. It was my first guess either way, <laughs> anal or... <laughs> Reverse rectogestion. Exactly. So now we're on chapter three, Rumors of Another World. Oh, awesome. Uh, and, and this chapter is about her going to grown-up jesus camp i'm gonna be very disappointed if she doesn't stick a flute in her pussy yeah i have a feeling it'd be like jamming a sun umbrella into the sand at the beach so <laughs> <laughs> 
You gotta twist it. <laughs> twist it. Burn in there. Faster air. Faster air. <laughs> Basically, so Jesus Camp for grown-ups is a bunch of graduate students who all get together and don't think and play volleyball. And she realizes that in this closed group of assholes, she truly felt home. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. And, and what she really wants us to know is that everyone here was super duper smart and they had scientists and engineers and a ton of black people. So stop calling her racist. <laughs> 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 she she then describes her going on a mission where she meets a bunch of poor people and doesn't realize that God let these family have flies all over their faces. But she does really think it's super deep to ponder how great it is that they can bring these people food and Jesus. And well, less food in order to get the Jesus. <laughs> right. You had to make yeah. room for the Jesus. There's only so yeah. much room in the cartons. <laughs> so she finishes her mission with man people love it when you give them food and water and and jesus jesus most of the jesus part, right? <laughs> right we didn't have a control group with just the food and water we're assuming that <laughs> they said they liked the jesus right and and she's all done with school and when she's finished one of the guys is like hey why don't you stay and make harvard divinity school christian and she has this <laughs> moment of like can i should i and She's gonna. I have never oh, oh, wanted okay. to burn a book so badly in my life. She's gonna. <laughs> but fortunately for us, you didn't, or we'd be robbed of all the beauty of chapter four, Veritas Envisioned. Oh, oh my God. We're three chapters in. That's yes. it. Yeah. God damn it. It's faster than the Quran, but not much. And in this chapter, she goes back and starts a bunch of discussion groups and coordinates missions and plays charades and, and literally charades by the fire. That is an actual thing she describes. <laughs> Babysitter's Club has more depth than this fucking book. Again, it's not about the depth. <laughs> right. It's about length and width. Length. Mine's like a graham cracker. <laughs> well, uh, one of the quarters, if I'm being honest. But yeah, same shit. <laughs> I'm told mine is like an inny belly button. <laughs> One time a girl spat on it and it drowned. It's like a balloon knot. I should also point out she keeps making these little quips throughout the book about like how smart she is. Like, quote, we tried acting out Immanuel Kant, end quote, or square dancing is really about centrifugal force, end quote. And I will eat my dick if this woman can have a 10 minute conversation about either of those fucking subjects. It's centripetal. Faux force bullshit. Dualism bullshit also. <laughs> then she talks about skiing with her friends and on her way back she realizes that the reason so many scientists are Christians is because they're so curious. What? Here's the, yo, here's the fucking quote. <laughs> quote. Scientists not only have a sense of wonder and believe in a real rather than imaginary world, but they also understand the value of putting theory to the test. That is why so many scientists now believe in God. End oh, quote. for fuck's sake. Quote. That's a oh. quote. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. The, the, the test that Kant says was impossible to conduct because humans can't perceive the noumenal world. The, yeah, that's the, the one, one where he implied that religious people should all be agnostic instead of blindly faithful. That one. Yeah, they they were trying to act that out. She only learned about that through charades, so it's hard. <laughs> right, right. Dinesh D'Souza taught her about it. <laughs> <laughs> then we hear that astronomers are finding cosmological alignment of Genesis 1 and the Big Bang, which footnotes to, I shit you not, quote, Scientists have found that a random universe is negative 10 to the 38th power. 
That doesn't what? That's make the any sense. For, that doesn't that's, be meaningless. Yeah, that's <laughs> not not lines, two sentences. She then <laughs> says that the speed of light is described in the Bible, and she footnotes what? that number six. And when I checked, <laughs> there is no footnote number six. Check my right. Twitter. I put right. a picture of it up there. <laughs> Literally no footnote six. <laughs> Although, to be fair, 300 million meters per second is pretty good and that's what it says about light in genesis it was good so pretty big coincidence yeah. i'd say there's and, something there. and thanks to evolution in 20 years it'll be 600 million meters per second so, yeah. <laughs> this is also the chapter where we learn that the flood is scientific monogamy is really healthy and that prayer heals she doesn't even bother to try to footnote uh, that shit so you're I guess right. we should be grateful. <laughs> little superscript of the square root of negative seven or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah Right. 2.6i bid. I get it. I get it. And then she goes on to say that Jesus makes better parents, linguists, and economists. What? Here's the quote. Quote, <laughs> economists see how faith in the creative and intrinsic value of humans, made in God's image, energizes an economy, a nation, a world. And that quote. makes no fucking sense. No, 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 no. It's, it's Abel and Keynesian economics. It's totally making that. <laughs> no, this is the nerdiest string of things I've had. We're talking about the negative square to negative one I. We're talking about Kant. Can- anyway, moving on. So she's trying to build the forum, but everyone hates her. And, and here's a journal entry. Again, they're tiny little things, but they take up half a page because she couldn't <laughs> write well. Quote, perhaps we're not overtly persecuted so much as we assume constraints. Press on, end quote. Uh, maybe it's less that the lizard people took over the world and more that the world surrendered to the lizard people. No, just no lizard people. <laughs> right. And th- then we go full fantasy world. So she wants to use the Harvard shield for her forum. And, and the dean says no. And she's like, how come you let the gays use the shield? Because according to her, there was like an LGBT group that had a shield with rainbow colors on it on one of their posters. And so the dean says... You're just like Jesus, and she gets to use the shield. <laughs> I'm surprised she didn't walk away from this conversation on a flying horse. <laughs> and then it's time for the first forum, and guys, it's super duper busy. Oh, shit. Great. I just can't wait to see how it's going to all work out. Actually, I can, and I'm going to, because unfortunately there's way too much stupid in this book for us to squeeze it into a single episode, so we're going to have to leave you hanging there and finish Eli's book report next week, but first let me give the next week's exciting conclusion the hard sell. Will the people at Harvard abandon a dispassionate examination of the world in favor of superstition? Will Kelly get the Jesus fucked out of her? Will Kevin Sorbo get hit by a car at the end? Find out the answers to these questions and more on next week's installment of... God-awful books. Literature. Novel. Publication. Before we run out the roll tonight, we're stoked to announce that we're going to be doing a second live record of god-awful movies across the pond in Manchester, England. We were invited to take part in the upcoming QED conference. Don't know what days we're going to be doing just yet or what movie we're going to be breaking down, but our UK listeners should definitely start thinking about setting aside the weekend of October 15th. Also, following week, we're going to be heading north to hang out with Tom and Cecil of Cognitive Dissonance fame, both the podcast and Uncomfortable Mental State, in Scotland for a couple of Skeptics in the Pub events in Glasgow and Edinburgh. So if you can't make it to Manchester, you can get a second crack at us. We should have exact dates on next week's show and, of course, on our Facebook page 
changed a lot earlier than that. Anyway, that's all the blast movie we've got for you tonight, but we'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show's hot friend, God Awful Movies, debuting on Thursday at 8 a.m. Eastern Time, or look for bonus nuggets of scathiasm on our YouTube channel, our Facebook page, and our various Twitter accounts. Clearly, I'd be at risk of court martial if I neglected to thank the Sultan of Sarcasm, Heath Enright, the Maharani of Morton C. Lucinda Lusions, and the Second Lieutenant of Rape Jokes, Eli Bosnick. I also need to thank Shujin Tribble, Dalen Heretic Woman, Chris Bridget Fitch, Joseph Joey, and Unrenowned Tech, all of the Holy Crap Vlogcast for providing this week's mellifluous and exquisitely choreographed Farnsworth quote. If you'd like to hear more from them, preferably not shooting for in unison, you'll find a link to their YouTube channel on the show notes for this episode. But most of all, of course, I need to thank this week's best people, Steve, Joe, Brother, David, Lindsay, Kitty, Chrissy, Matthew, Pete, Kevin, Daniel, Joseph, Kyle, Burst, Molly, Fallon, Velociraptor, We3, Seth, Thomas, M. Fyro, Sean, Maddie, T, Ryan, James, Stephen, Sir Privy Wings, Other, Joseph, Adam, Casey, Victor, Robert, Billy, and Ashley, Sneaky, Tonal Confusion, and John. Steve, Jill, Brother, David, Lindsay, Kitty, and Chrissy, who are so bright the sun can't look at them during an eclipse. Matthew, Pete, Kevin, Daniel, Joseph, Kyle, and Burst, Molly, whose cocks are so long Archimedes just needs the fulcrum now. Fallon, Velociraptor, We3, Seth, Thomas, M. Fyro, and Sean, who put the us back in genius. Matty T, Ryan, James, Stephen, Sir Privy Wings, Other, Joseph, and Adam, whose combination of penis length and sexual magnetism would be more than enough to explain away the Bermuda Triangle, and Casey, Victor, Robert, Billy, and Ashley, Sneaky, Tonal Confusion, and John, whose IQs have more digits than an Amish baby. Together, these 35 thoroughbreds thirsted for thoroughly therapeutic Thursdays, and therefore they gave us money. Not everybody has the generosity, pleasant aroma, and ninja-negating nunchuck skills it takes to give us money, but if your kung fu and body odor are up to the challenge, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash atheist, whereby you'll earn early access to an extended edition of every episode, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com, whereby you'll earn the satisfaction of knowing that you made a one-time donation. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingatheist.com. All the music used in this episode was written and performed by yours truly, and yes, I did have my permission. That was a hell of a record, lady. <laughs>